Here's a little something from the private stash. Oh my god, I'm gonna get fucked in a minute. Him did drag you well, right on in with the merch. What? I understand. Did you say get fucked? Like, tell the truth? That's pretty much the uh, motive, uh, motive up we're in here. Factual about this. I can't factually believe how factual this is. Because the truth always hurts, right? Right? But what's the truth? Is the truth not fact? Yeah, which is why it's gonna hurt. Oh my god, are you serious? I gotta try some of this in a minute. Oh, one from the garage indeed, and yes, it might hurt a little bit. What follows completes a decade-long story circle as it is, which began in Austin, Texas at South by Southwest in 2008, when I interviewed a filmmaker named Eric Weiss about a film called Hori Smoku Sailor Jerry, about the forebearer, the pioneer of modern tattoo culture, Norman Collins. But it was just last month that I actually saw the film, now on YouTube, for your convenience. And uh, a couple of things struck me. First, it's a lovely piece of filmmaking. Um, incredible archival footage and all sorts of interesting characters, as you might imagine, within the tattoo industry. But also this character, Norman Collins, man, real conflicted uh, iconoclast, to say the least. On the one hand, he was this redneck libertarian. On the other hand, he was uh, world-wise and tolerant, and he had a late-night spoken word radio show espousing all kinds of fringe ideas. He also wanted to get a ship and go populate small islands and build utopian communities. Later in life, married a Filipino lady. But it was this backdrop of being in Hawaii during the war years and where he combined the Japanese well, the fantastic Japanese technique of shading certainly goes back long centuries in the organized crime culture, in the Yakuza culture in Japan, uh, combining that technique with the cultural mores of Polynesian Micronesia, going back to the tapa-tapa with bamboo needles, and then throwing in American iconography, skulls and crossbones and eagles and hearts and moms and girlfriends and all that for all these young, mostly sailors, but military personnel passing through Hawaii on their way to an uncertain future who literally wanted to get screwed, blued, and tattooed. The film paints a very colorful landscape of the wild, heady days in Hawaii. And keep in mind, Hawaii before the war was an extremely different place, and massive influx of population of all these young wildings changed the face of things and the whoring and the drinking, and it all went on during the daytime because there was a nighttime curfew because the air raids, all the lights had to be on. Anyway, learned about tattoo culture where factions and rivalries and hiding techniques and sabotage and intrigue amongst each other, and also this tradition of mentoring and training and apprenticing. And it goes in the character of uh, a fella who's become almost embarrassingly, embarrassingly and awkwardly famous, Don Ed Hardy, whose designs have been uh, used to create the mandatory wardrobe of a certain type of douchebag. Anyway, in real life, he's a erudite and, and engaging fellow. So the film paints a wide swath about the history of Hawaii during those days, the temperaments and personalities of all these tattoo artists around America and other places in Japan. <laughs> a bunch of... A bunch of <laughs> Curious cats, for sure. 
and um, also dives into this character of, of Norman Collins, uh, kind of an American classic, like I said, a kind of classed renegade of sorts. Um, two other things. One, as a filmmaker myself, in 1996-97, I made a, a feature-length documentary film called Hampton Road. And 20 years later, also now available on the internet for your gratis convenience, uh, is probably more relevant and more watched than it was then. When I made it, I took it on tour and did some festivals and distributed it on VHS cassette and had a great time doing the screenings of it and did Q&As and giveaways and all that. But really, it captured a moment in time that now with cannabis legalization and normalization, re-legalization and normalization going on throughout the U.S. and other countries, uh, it really captures the stories of some of these pioneers, which I take a certain amount of pride in and, and is, uh, because I think their stories are important, especially as more and more former cops and prosecutors and politicians, certainly you don't need reminded of this, hop on board the industry like a bunch of carpetbaggers. The pioneers' stories, I think, are tremendously important. And one other point is, uh, while I'm an enthusiast of tattoo culture, I don't personally have any tattoos, just as a point of record. Uh, two reasons for this. One, uh, in Japan, if you have tattoos, you cannot go into the hot springs, the onsen, the rotenburos, and all this because tattoos are uh, strongly associated with Yakuza, organized crime culture. Um, and I love hot springs more than just about anything. Some people say, well, if you have a small little quote-unquote fashion tattoo, you can cover it with a bandage. But that's false logic because the one other thing that you can't have to go into hot springs is an open wound. So a bandage implies it. So anyway, um, I love hot springs, so I have no tattoos. The second reason would be, um, how do you decide? I have so many diverse interests and curiosities uh, that I could hardly, <laughs> I could hardly decide. I'm a guy who likes to change the pictures on the wall fairly frequently. And that's not so handy with tattoos. I'm not much of a commitment guy, I guess. Now, certainly uh, living in Japan and through Micronesia and the West Coast, the U.S. and Canada and all this, I'm, I'm very accustomed to tattoo culture. And, you know, most all my pals have, uh, well, some of them are quite covered with tattoos and some are tattoo artists themselves. And when I was in Guam, I would take Japanese tourists to the tattoo parlors in Guam. Um, make a little bit of extra cash on the side and and uh, I like the whole process of art creation But it's just uh, not for me. I do however have a penchant for having uh, my toenails painted during the pedicure Don't judge me All right to Austin with you now uh, To dig into this relic and remember you can go find the film on the on the internets and all that Well, the true intrepid survivors of South by Southwest managed to dig deep and find the vigor to get up each and every day for another day of learning and edutainment, followed by another night of festivities. <laughs> Eric, how's your trip holding up for you so far? Well, pretty good. I just got in last night, so uh, it hasn't been that hectic oh. at all. <laughs> so that's why you're looking so uh, fresh-eyed fresh yeah, yet. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> went for a run, had a good breakfast, that kind of thing. I feel good. I feel good. Wow, man! I just I just feel a little bit worse now just hearing just hearing that, and you brought a film here to show, and it's about tattoos, something that fits right in with the local culture, eh? Yeah, well, it's a it's a documentary on Sailor Jerry Collins. It's called Hori Smoku Sailor Jerry. You can actually go to the website, it's HoriSmokuMovie.com, and it's it's about uh, 
Sailor Jerry, who is considered the premier or the, the icon of American tattooing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really excited to kind of premiere this at, I said premiere twice, which is nice, <laughs> but premiere it at South by Southwest in Austin because um, Mike Malone, who went by the name Rollo Banks, a uh, real famous tattoo artist and kind of the guy who uh, inherited the artistic estate of Sailor Jerry. He went on to take over his shop in Hawaii for like 20 years. Um, he kind of was a, a living legend in Austin. When he left Hawaii, he came to Austin, lived here for about 14 years. So to to premiere it here in Austin, especially because Mike passed away about a year ago, is, is totally amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've really got the support of the tattoo community as well as the artistic community in Austin. And um, tomorrow night's the opening, and I think it's going to be a, a friggin' madhouse. Can I say friggin' <laughs> on your thing? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's really exciting, man. I mean, this poster here, the artwork is beautiful. You have this great art aesthetic sense to it where it's this real classic thing. Yeah. You know, where a lot of you know, tattoo culture has blown up here in the last decade to the point that there's a little bit of a differentiation that has to be made between art tattoos and... and, and well, uh, yeah. it, I mean, the roots of it, it's a trade. It's an artistic yeah. trade, but nonetheless, it's a trade. You make money doing it, yeah. you know? And uh, a lot of these guys, you know, especially the, I interviewed, you know, 10, 15, uh, you know, the real tattoo legends, the guys who really made their bones. And, you know, they'll talk about the art, but in the end they'll say, you know, I'm just a plumber who knows how to draw. You know, it's a trade, man. <laughs> So it was, you know, and Jerry, he's kind of the guy who took that traditional bone line, American tattooing, you know, the sailor, the blood and thunder shit. And uh, I can say that. I'm a... Just roll with it. <laughs> and uh, he, he blended the Asiatic stylings of the Japanese masters, which mm -hmm. were known as Horis. Yep. That's why the movie's called Hori Smoku. He used to sign his letters Hori Smoku. So when a Japanese person would say it, they get the R and the L's confused and they'd yeah, say, right. holy smoke. Yeah. So, I mean, he was a product of... 1940s Hawaii you know he went through Pearl Harbor yeah. and he was kind of indoctrinated like that generation to hate the Japanese but he still respected them enough that he corresponded with these masters and he traded secrets and he traded artistic nuances with them and styles and ways of tattooing and he made this thing this this kind of uh, amalgamation is that a good word yeah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> of the American and the Japanese and that's what you see in tattooing today you know that great shading and things like that um, he is really one of the pure American masters. And when you uh, let those two, you know, the American uh, sense and the, and the Japanese craft percolate together in the islands where there's this vast tattooing yeah. history, you know, and when I was tramping around Micronesia, I saw the traditional tapa tapa yeah, tapa yeah. Um, tattooing. So I imagine that uh, played into the influence as well, eh? Oh, yeah. I mean, he loved Hawaii, but he, he took tattooing out of this. It was still seedy, you know, and he was a seedy guy. He did some crazy stuff, you know. He... He, he, he was rebellious, a real social libertarian, a real kind of uh, right-wing social libertarian nonetheless. But he, uh, you know, he, he did things that you wouldn't expect. He, he was the guy who, who really pushed sterilization in tattooing. Before then, you know, guys used the same needle, the same needle bar yeah. on the 50 people until the needle got dull. I mean, God knows, oh, especially. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and this is all coming from a little shop on Hotel Street in the middle of the South Pacific, you know. Wow. And... Hotel Street during that time, we, we envisioned our grandparents as the stoic warriors who fought World War II. They were, but they were also 17, 18-year-old boys going, who, yeah, you know. I might be dead tomorrow. So exactly. Tattooed today so sounds like a great idea. And tattooed, man. I mean, Hotel Street, hookers were $3. Tattoos were $3. Booze was $3. You had to do it all during the day because at night it was a curfew. Yeah. You know, they had no lights on. So you got 17, 18-year-old guys they don't know if they're going to die tomorrow running around Hawaii, 
And before World War II, there was only like a couple thousand soldiers and sailors. After Pearl Harbor, a million soldiers and sailors. Guys coming to the islands. I think 14% of Americans had graduated high school. You know, from who knows, Sheboygan. <laughs> get dropped off in Hawaii. Tomorrow you're going to Iwo Jima. You're going to yeah, get drunk. Yeah. You're going to get screwed. <laughs> and you're going to get a tattoo. That's how I would. You know, <laughs> I do it now. And I mean, <laughs> like, I'm not in anything. And <laughs> life's a little easier for you. You know? Hey, well, let's speak a little bit about the filmmaking process. You know, I know the, the rigors of going through the taking the idea to getting people on board, to getting some money together, to going out and doing the production, then the drudgery that is the post-processing, then finally getting away and putting a little, getting it out there, finding a way to get people to screenings and all that. Can you give me an overview of how this journey, where it started, where the money came from? It started from? about a year and a half ago. Sailor Jerry is actually a brand, the clothing brand. Um, Steve Grass owns it, he's out in Philadelphia. He approached me and said, hey, you know, I want to document some of the guys that inherited Jerry's artistic estate, which was Mike Malone and Don Ed Hardy. So I went to Don Ed's, you know, in San Francisco and went down there. You know, he was apprehensive at first. You pick that up? Yeah. It's, cool. <laughs> it's, it's Austin, man. It's been sirens 24-7, man, from our hotel room. Yeah, I've noticed that, man. 4th Street, I was there, or whatever, 6th Street last night. That, that mess of a place. And uh, every two seconds, there was an ambulance. Speaking of drunk guys getting tattoos, there's no shortage of them there. And I also yeah. noticed uh, several tattoo removal places, too. Yeah, that usually goes with it. I, my, my philosophy is, man, if you get it, live with the regret. I mean, my, my stuff is so damn bad. I love it. <laughs> I look at it every day, and I'm like, ah, oh, you were such a dick. <laughs> you know? What were you thinking? Oh, the folly of youth. Yeah, whatever, man. Oh, I got that stuff like last year. <laughs> but uh, So you're in San Francisco, Don Ed. Don Ed, and, you know, he was a little apprehensive, and then we met. And uh, <laughs> one sec, I think there's a fire. Yeah, yeah, man, we might have to pack up our stuff and run here suddenly, but <laughs> you can always cut in and cut out. Look, all right, so anyway, we went down to uh, San Fran. Ed was a little apprehensive, and then we met and we just shot the shit, and he really dug it. And um, he actually called Mike Malone for me and you know kind of gave me a little an in because yeah. still you know you're dealing with a real secular world this these guys were brought up before the tv shows before all the bs that's yeah. on now you know yeah. before every person was you know slinging a tattoo and talking about the dolphin on their ankle and you know <laughs> how it represents their fight against you know uh lyme disease or something you know it doesn't matter you know no one cares so uh i went over to chicago interviewed mike and i ended up having about you know 13, 14 hours of footage. And I said to Steve Grass, I said, hey, we got a movie here. We should start interviewing all these old guys. We should, old guys, but you know, legends. Yeah. We should start interviewing people that were influenced by Jerry, that worked with Jerry. And I think there's something there. So I spent about a year tracking guys down, you know, asking someone to call for me, then having that person call another person and then going to a shop where the guy used to work. And then, you know, it took me like six months to track down Zeke Owen, who's a, a Zegoin is like, uh, when you're a kid and you're like, when I grow up, I want to be uh, a tattoo artist, stuntman, action figure, 
um, private eye, and then you meet Zeke Owen, and you're like, oh my god, you did that, you know? <laughs> Dude, he's crazy. Nice. But it took me a year to find him, and then, you know, go to L.A., interviewing Bob Roberts, going up to Yakaya, California, finding Lyle Tuttle. Um, so many different, you know, guys that worked in his shop for a week or two, you know, Navy guys. Uh, Joe Boyle, tattoo artist out in Jersey now. He worked the floor at Jerry's for a couple of years while he was in the service in Honolulu. So it was pretty exhaustive. And then finally, you, you sit there and you got 50, 60 hours of footage, 120 hours of footage. And you realize you got to make a linear narrative out of it. <laughs> so that process was about four to six months of just cutting, the, you know, cutting all the stuff and, and looking at it and finally getting something cohesive. And then we started sending it to festivals. I did. I had a rough cut. I sent it to festivals, got denied from a ton of them, got accepted to some of them, and then was fortunate enough that the, you know, the gods were on our side and Mike Malone was on our side, or his spirit was on our side, and we got into South by Southwest. And yes. now we're premiering, and I'm really excited because it's going to be it's going to be madness there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's almost to be assured. And it's also just walking around here. It's like a tattoo show, too. Yeah. I see you guys both rocking the sleeves. Yeah. Me, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm lily white and pure, <laughs> but with you in spirit. Oh, so. that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish you awesome good success with oh, your film you. again. Thank Holler you. that URL again. It's uh, www. That's World Wide Web. <laughs> <laughs> the www. <laughs> all right. Holy smoker, that's nay. You know, uh, <laughs> and from Hawaii, mahalo. Thank you very much, Eric. All right, thank you. Two quick other annotations. One, I obviously clipped the part where he said the URL because it no longer exists. But you are all smart folks, and you can find that on the internet or else check out the corresponding blog post to this podcast at debostory.com and all will be revealed. Second thing is, it occurs to me that my dear late mother made a film herself about tattoo culture when she went back to university and somewhere that exists on a VHS tape in a secret storage trove in Cascadia. And one day, note to self, I shall digitize that and put it out for your amusement. It will probably take another 10 years, but, you know, who's counting, right? You've been shooting along.